Today we want to kick off a, a three-week series simply called Kingdom Generosity. And uh, before I jump into this, hey, let's say hi to our new Facebook Live guy today. You might recognize him. Everybody back there, let's say hi. Yeah, this is just works out great. I mean, he comes back, starts this role we're talking about, generosity. Um, actually, um, we gave him a fake Facebook account back there. So he can do as many Bartle do's as he wants. And it's not live on our Facebook post. No, it's, it's great to have Dave around today. And um, just wanted to make sure you saw him. If you get a chance, make sure you say hi to him. And um, he's just, uh, man, he's become such a good friend. I love that guy. But we want to jump into a new series called Kingdom Generosity, really kind of an abbreviated series. I really want to focus on the two words today. That's my whole goal today. Next week, we're going to focus on the generosity of time and talent. The generosity of time and talent. And then the third week, we want to talk about the generosity of our resources or our finances. But today, I simply want to set the stage. And because I just can't move into those things, it's just not how I'm wired, without at least presenting to you a overall overview of what do the scriptures say about generosity? What do I need to understand about generosity? Why why does that word seem to come up very often? You could attend uh, 10 different churches and over the course of time at some point all 10 churches are going to talk about this word. Where does it come from? What, What is it born out of? What's the source of it? And I simply want to start in this way. Generosity is love in action. I want to work with that that kind of working definition. Generosity is love in action. Love gives. We see that very clearly in Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave. There is no doubt that if you look at the relationships that you have in your life and the ones that you love the most, I guarantee you, you will find that there is generosity involved in it. And in fact, those two, they coexist. For there to be a truly loving relationship, there is always the action of generosity into that relationship. Um, as a parent, obviously we love our kids and it shows, right? Because we generously give of our time and our energy and our effort, right? If I stopped doing that, if I stopped giving of my time, of my energy, of, of my uh, resources to them, you would rightly question, I don't think he really loves his kids, right? Um, And so generosity truly is love in action. Let me just go a little bit farther with this because I I know that a lot of times we associate generosity with money. Probably the first thing you thought when you saw the word generosity for a lot of you is you saw dollar signs, right? And I want you to understand that the scriptures give us a, a, a more full Uh, understanding of generosity than just money. Absolutely, Um, the scriptures talk about um, 
being generous, and a lot of times it's in reference to our resources, our finances. I'm going in and out. Am I okay? But it's more than that, and hopefully next week we're able to tap into understanding a little bit more of that before we move into that last um, uh, last week where we do talk about about finances. I do feel like I would be pre- I'm preaching to the choir because I realize I am blessed to be in an environment that is really generous. So. <clears throat> That good? That good? All right. Okay, so I'm used to using both hands. This is going to be interesting. Um, So I feel like this is just a chance for me to remind you of why we do what we do and to encourage you to continue to be who we have been and to grow in this. Um, thinking about this series, one thing I wanted to make sure is is that we understood that this is a place where we have landed and we, we understand this. But God continually wants to keep stretching us with this. And so that's the goal of this series. I would remind you in Scripture, um, if, you do, if you were to do any kind of over-broad word study, um, believe is referenced like 272 times in Scripture. Prayer, 371. Love, 714. Get this, the word give is referenced 2,152 times in Scripture. <laughs> Am I good? Man, I got five guys telling me five different things. I don't know what to do. I give up. My, okay, I'm good. I simply tell you that to, to, to show you that Scripture is, is, is into this thing about generosity, about giving. And in fact, I think the big, the big idea is that God is a giver. That's why he talks about giving so much. God is a giver. Three times more than even love, he talks about give. And um, it's amazing. If there's 7,000 promises in Scripture, 7,000 promises in Scripture, the number one thing that is promised is connected to giving, to giving. And so it's something we need to think about, right? And I want to remind you of over these next few weeks. Now, I would make this statement. The hallmark of first century Christians was generosity. The hallmark of first century Christians was generosity. Not wealth and not even theology. And this is the way it worked. The first century Christians literally had nothing. They had nothing. There was no buildings. There was no accumulation of wealth. In fact, many times they had nothing because they struggled to gain employment. Because of the very fact that they were believers, employers would avoid them. Literally, first century Christians had nothing. Had nothing. And yet... They were a catalyst in this world for Jesus Christ that literally changed the world. What in the world did they do? 
They had nothing. They had no influence. They had no wealth. And they changed the world. And literally, it's around this word, generosity. It wasn't that they convinced people through theology. Because most people looked at the Christian faith as just a weird cult who believed in this guy who said he rose from the dead. And so they weren't convincing people, all right? They weren't going into places and, and changing their minds from an intellectual perspective. They changed the world through their generosity. They took their cue from Jesus, listened to his teachings. He totally... Uh, uh, redevelops our understanding of what it means to be a neighbor in his simple parable of the Good Samaritan. He is instructing his disciples in the upper room before he's going to the cross that if you have power, it's not to be used for yourself, but it's always to be given for those who don't have power, to use your influence for those who don't have influence. And then Jesus, they took their cue from him as he's, uh, he's talking to them, a new command I give to you, that you love one another, and he's washing feet, and he's, he's sharing stories that are absolutely turning their understanding upside down. They took their cue from him, and after he left, and they were on their own to live out the faith in this world, it's obvious that the, one of the biggest things that they grabbed a hold of was this idea of generosity. He says, you know, uh, you know I say to you, go the extra mile. Listen to these words in Luke chapter 6. This is, and if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting it to be repaid in full. But I say, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And they took this kind of thinking, and they ran with it, and ran with it, and ran with it, until you begin to look and read and see, wow, how in the world did people who had no wealth, who had no influence, who were basically always ostracized by society, how did they make such a wide impact in their world that literally by the third century, the Roman emperor um, decided that this thing had so much influence in his empire that he was just going to make it a Christian empire. How did that happen? Well, it was born out of this. It was driven mostly by this kind of thinking, generosity, giving, serving, not looking to get something in return, but serving just on the simple principle of love as their master, as their king, as their savior had demonstrated for them. You see, in that culture, um, it was all about give in order to get something in return. Um, I would say probably that's not, not left our world, has it? Um, we say in, the, in our modern day, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine, right? And right now I've had a sunburn on my back and it's peeling and I would love somebody to come up here and scratch my back right now. You don't know how much I mean that. <laughs> but 
Even in that day, I mean, you have to understand that the culture was even, uh, even on their coinage. They had this, this word liberalas, and it was, it was the idea of the Roman, the emperors or the, uh, the leaders on purpose would put this on their coinage. They would go into towns and villages and they would throw money out to the people. They would give to the people, but it was always with the understanding that I'm giving you this so that then you will then support me when I need you. Everything was motivated by looking out ultimately for myself. I am going to do this for you because I need you to do something for me. And in fact, the leaders took the initiative and said, I'm going to go ahead and throw this on them so that they're going to feel obligated to look out for me when I make a bad decision or I'm being uh, threatened by another province or something like that. It was all this whole idea of you do for me, I do for you. Here come these Christian people along and say, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. I'm going to do for you regardless if you do for me. And that's why this word kingdom generosity is so important because that has always been the hallmark of Christian people, of Christ followers. We are motivated by something that is not in our self-interest. We are motivated by simply the love of Christ and communicating and showing that to everybody around us. There is no ulterior motive in the kingdom. There is only pure motive of sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And so there is a completely different way of thinking in the kingdom than in the world around us. And that's what Jesus had introduced to them. And that is literally what they took to the world. And it is what changed the world's mind about Jesus Christ. I mean, you read through the history of those first centuries when plagues would come in. Two and three plagues, especially in that first century, ripped through regions. People are leaving. They're running. They're trying to get away uh, as these sicknesses would just take over entire communities. And in fact, the heathen priests were the first ones to leave. The religious people were the first ones to get out of there because they were the wealthiest at that time. They were among the wealthiest. They didn't want to get sick. They didn't want to help. They wanted to simply preserve themselves. So they're running. And as plagues are sweeping through these towns and villages and cities, Guess who's sticking around? It's Christian people who refuse to run, who aren't scared to die, who are serving not only their families, but their people that they don't even know. And as they continue to exhibit this kind of generosity to people around them, one by one, place by place, the people begin to realize there is something about these people that I got to know about. I've got to experience. Why? And it's just over and over those stories. In fact, there's a story from antiquity about Julian who followed Charlemagne, who, um, who wanted to, you know, Charlemagne made it um, <clears throat> a Christian empire. Julian came along and said, I want to revert that back to uh, our old pagan deities. And he tried to do that, but he failed miserably. And we have actually have a letter that he wrote 
And he's complaining about why this isn't working. And he's complaining about Christian people. And he says this, they support not only their poor, but ours as well. And he's complaining and says, if we would just do what they did, maybe people would be willing to leave that faith. It's so obvious that what changed the world's mind about Jesus was driven by this heart of generosity. And I just want to remind you that the kingdom that we are a part of has always been a kingdom that is drastically different than the world around us. We are not looking out for only our self-interest. We are motivated to share the love of Jesus Christ. Why I do what I do, why I give what I give, why I spend time where I do, I'm not looking to gain something, I'm looking to share something. It is a vastly different way of thinking. It is, a, it is a vastly different kingdom than the kingdoms of the world around us. But I want to share just some points with you quickly about generosity. This is my list, okay? This is my list for this series. Um, it's on the app. If you don't want to, some of you, uh, I might go fast here, but... I would like, first of all, just to you to recognize that generosity honors God. Generosity honors God. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse thirteen says this: Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everybody else. What did he say? It honors God, it declares God, it proclaims God, it makes people notice God when we are generous. I'd also remind you of Proverbs 14, 31. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind, and that word right there is generous, whoever is generous to the needy honors God. Generosity honors God. Number one. Number two, generosity draws us closer to God. Listen to Deuteronomy 14 as he's, he's uh, talking about this idea, this Old Testament concept of a tithe to them. And he, uh, he says this, eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and of your flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will chose as a dwelling for his name. Bring this stuff to him this tie, this first fruits, this, and he says this, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. Part of, lear- part of generosity, of giving, is a way that enables our relationship to God to be cemented, to be drawn closer. Listen to Luke chapter 11, verse 41. But now as for what is inside you, Be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. I've really been thinking about that verse because I just threw that out, ripped it out of a whole context. You're just listening to a verse having no idea, but it's in that context where he's talking to the Pharisees and um, he's talking about, man, you look good on the outside. You've got everything lined up, but inside you look like... um, you look like 
the inside of a grave. <laughs> you know, he uses really graphic terminology or, or pictures there. He's saying, listen, I've always been interested on the inside. That's what I'm all about is changing you inside first. And he says, you've got it backwards. You've thought you've tried to line up the outside. But in so doing, you've made it, you've complicated the issue even worse. And you are absolutely grotesque in your heart. You're like the inside of a grave. What it would look like when a body is decaying and all of our reactions would be one to turn our head and hold our nose and try to forget the image. So that's what your heart looks like. And he throws this little phrase in there when he says, but as now for what is inside of you, part of what makes you right inside is a heart that is generous. It's generous. I've just grabbed a couple references. All of these points have many references. But part, generosity is a part of what draws us closer to God. Do I want to have a stronger relationship with God? Generosity will play a role in doing that. God is a giver. And those who are his, those who draw closer to him, will realize, experience this whole dynamic of being a giving person, a generous person. So generosity honors God. It draws me closer to God. Generosity is the cure for materialism, right? And this is huge for us because we are the most materially blessed people ever, ever. And so first Timothy comes into play for us more and more. Probably be good for us every month to read some First Timothy chapter 6 just to remind us. But here's what he says. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. <coughs> Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Part of the antidote for not living materialistically is being generous. Is, is, man, I'm hitting that all the time. Pencil there. Um... Part of how I keep myself from, you know, being swallowed up in the materialism of our day is to have a heart that is willing to be generous, that is generous. Generosity is a cure for materialism. Four, generosity demonstrates my faith. I love this because there's a lot of places I could have went with this, but I simply want to remind you of this. Listen to this. This is from Malachi. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There, there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough. Um, there will not be room enough. And something's not right with that verse. I'm not sure. Basically, the idea is he's saying, <laughs> look it up. <laughs> Get it right when you read it. But he's basically saying, test me in this. I thought it was interesting. I was uh, reading or listening to a guy this week talk about this. You know, 
there's a lot of ways that we try to prove God. There's the different ways that, you know, philosophically and, and all these things. And he was simply posing this, that this is the one way in scripture that we prove that there is a God. Because he literally, this is the test. Test him in this and he will prove himself out, right? And I would say that generosity demonstrates your faith. It demonstrates my faith. Just like Ben shared in the offering. This is uh, in the offering, the giving of our tithes and offerings. It is a demonstration of our faith. I am giving money away. I am giving money in which I am not going to get a return, so to speak. Uh, So, you know, but I believe in what this is all about. I believe in him who called me to do this. And so I give because I believe and I trust in him. Generosity demonstrates our faith. Five, generosity reveals my character. Remember when he says in Luke 16, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will you tr- whom will trust you with true riches? What we do, how we handle what we have reveals our character. It reveals our character. And generosity, generosity helps to reveal our character. Number six, generosity brings God's blessing. Generosity brings God's blessing. Um, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I really feel like I just need to keep moving. I really want to talk about a lot of this. Number seven, generosity increases my happiness. Remember what Jesus said that we all learn when we grow up. At some point, hopefully you grow up when you realize this. Jesus said, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of Jesus Christ himself when he said, it is more blessed to give than receive generosity absolutely increases your happiness. That's a whole sermon in and of itself. Number eight, generosity expands my influence. Listen to Psalm. There's many references for this, but I love this one in Psalms. People, these people, he's looking at it, he said, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. They've been generous. In so doing, their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. You know, this week I, I happened to listen to uh, Rick Warren talk about this. I don't know if you know who Rick Warren is, uh, pastor in California. Um, and he was talking about, as a young married couple, him and his wife Kay had decided year one of their ministry, they were going to give 10%, 10% of their giving to, to the church, to charity, They decided the next year they were going to give 11%. They decided the next year they were going to give 12%. They decided amongst themselves that every year they were going to increase their giving. 
He said there were years when they did not make as much. There were years when they were squeezed. And he said, we had made a commitment. We were going to increase our giving. He said year after year after year, to 15, to 20, to 30, to 40. They just kept increasing it year after year. He never told this story until later in his life. This was a complete secret. Just him and his wife knew this. Rick Warren, after he made this commitment, and years into this commitment, ends up writing the absolute best-selling nonfiction book in the history of books besides the Bible, right? The Purpose Driven Life. At this point, Rick Warren has, what is it? He said, they are at a point where him and Kay give 91%. 91% out the door. They live on nine. You say, well, that's easy if you've sold the, the greatest book in the world. You know, gazillions of books and, and a lot of royalties. And Rick Warren will tell you, I I loved what he said. I almost grabbed the clip of him talking about this. He said, listen, somebody came up to him, a senator came up to him and said, how did you happen to be chosen to write that book like it? And he said, listen, the reason why God enabled me to write that book was because he knew he could trust me. He could trust me with the money that I would make from that book. And Rick Warren says, my influence has grown astronomically. You all know who Rick Warren is. And he said, I attribute it to early on, we decided we were going to be generous. And he says, as my generosity has grown, my influence has grown. And I have found that is so true. I think of John Wesley who decided early on he was only going to live on a certain amount every year and everything else he was going to give away. We still talk about John Wesley 200 years later. And one of the reasons why is because he was an incredibly generous person. This is a, there is a principle in play here that those who are generous leave a legacy of their life and expand their influence. And God, in fact, I believe, blesses generous people and allows their influence to expand. I gotta keep moving. Number nine, generosity multiplies my money. Remember what he says, Second Corinthians. Some of this we're gonna dive into, all right? So we're really, because honestly, the New Testament idea with generosity is huge, especially with, with giving And it says this, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It's the idea, and I could bear, Nicole and I can testify to this. I've heard hundreds of stories over and over of people who have stepped out and said, you know what? I feel like God's asking me to give this, maybe do this. I'm not sure that we can do it, but we're going to do it. We're going to step out on faith. 
And every time God supplies exactly what you need. Over and over and over and over again, I have heard this. I've experienced this. When I've been willing to respond to God's call for me to be generous, God has always, always, always enriched me in every way. And there's a whole sermon in that, that generosity multiplies your money in a number of different ways. And there's, those are things we'll talk about in the coming weeks. Number 10, generosity will be rewarded in heaven. Luke chapter 16. I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The way this is written, what he is meaning is saying, use what you've been given to help people hear and know the gospel. And when you do that, there is an eternal reward that is recognized. So that's my list. Might not have been like really exciting, but I feel compelled to share it to you. I hope you look at it. I hope you remember it. These are principles in play where the scriptures in a wide range of ways help us to see that generosity, generosity is absolutely, it's who God is. God's a giver. He's a generous God. It's the way that literally the kingdom operates. It changed the world in the first century. It's changing the world right now. I don't have it in front of me, but I read an article. The Washington Post was talking about it's Christian people who are changing the world through their giving and their time and their resources. They're changing the world. This is the Washington Post looking on and saying, you know what? You take Christians out of the world, we are hurting in a big way. It's always been a hallmark of of the kingdom is generosity. And then the scriptures in a broad way kind of lay out these principles that I've given to you. I need to be quiet. So let's think about this. Over the next couple weeks, the generosity of time, talent, and treasure or your finances, your resources. Father, Lord, uh, really first Sunday of a series is always just trying to break in our minds. And so Lord, just help us to start thinking this way. My prayer is that we are, uh, this just caused people to, to reflect on their own personal lives, to think about um, what the scriptures say about generosity, to uh, just begin to open our hearts and minds to the idea of what it means to be a generous person and how that looks in our lives. So bless this next two weeks, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great week. And come out and help us with VBS if you're not signed up.